0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy's here, Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation if you're in the market for windows call 866-90 Nation or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Got a lot to get to, you know. We've got a a menu of a Las Vegas buffet. No a menu of excellence. Oh, I forgot
1: of, you know, I forgot a menu of excellence. I have used
0: that. I haven't used that in years. Well, you shouldn't. You should save it only for Sports Fix or Sports Fix 2.0. That was Tommy's favorite thing. Today we I mean just a our me- our pre-show meeting <laughs> created a menu, menu of, of excellence. excellence. <laughs> and we do have a lot of things to get to. We'll get to the Nats at some point. I I watched just in time for Doolittle to come in, Bearclaw and Doolittle to come in and ruin what was a terrific outing yes. from Scherzer. Um, still not enough run support. I think they ended up with three hits, two or three hits on the yeah, night. Yeah, I know,
1: but they're going against Jacob deGrom.
0: They're not, yeah, it's not I like they're
1: going against some stiff. I understand.
0: Um, they could get swept in a four-game series against yes. the Mets after the Mets were swept by the Marlins coming yes. into this thing. Um, we'll get to them a little bit later on. I definitely want to get to the NFL League meetings, which has produced... A very predictable tweak to the pass interference replay uh, rule, which we will get to. Kevin Durant is showing his sensitivity because <laughs> right now, if Golden State goes on to win a title, and this is predictable too, uh, it's a nightmare for him. Of course it and is. Somebody said this and then he got into it on Instagram and Twitter with this someone, um, so we will get to that as well. But we're going to start with some Redskins. Uh, first of all... They signed linebacker Joe Bostic from Pittsburgh. They need to need a new inside linebacker out of a three four defense. He will help. Um, does he's Jeff been Bostic come with the deal? He does not come with the deal. Um, that would be good. That would be really good. Uh, but they've filled uh, the lost spot of Ruben Foster uh, with a guy who's played a lot and played Let a ton. Let me just in point Pittsburgh. out something about Ruben Foster sure.
1: before we get the ball rolling. Okay. Apparently, the Washington Post reported that the Redskins were looking to Reuben Foster not only to be a great player on the field, but they were looking to him to be a team leader. <laughs> I'm serious. They were looking at Reuben Foster. They they were counting on him being a team leader. Now, I haven't read the details of it, but that is basically the tagline the Post is using to pitch the story, that they they saw him as a team leader, and that's – Look, that that's so wrong on so many levels. But the the one that is so Redskins like is the, the the latest guy here becomes the leader of the team. That's Redskins.
0: That is that really has been right. the case. The late the,
1: the guy the last guy through uh, the locker you're, room you're, door. You're,
0: you're right about that.
1: It's the is the is the new team leader.
0: Um, I you know maybe that's why Tommy the uh, players that you felt should have been there for the beginning of OTAs to be his support structure maybe they just they look to him as the yeah. leader and he, so
1: he he doesn't need us he's our leader so I thought that was kind of ironic uh on on many levels
0: yeah i think uh I, I think it is i
1: i didn't and the I didn't sign of that. you know what it's the sign of a stable football organization. That the, the most stable it's been in twenty five years. In fact, it's it's
0: it's what are it's you that talking kind of why, why would you say that? It's well, not stable. Well, I mean, I,
1: I I read that somewhere and I heard that somewhere, and, and that's evidence of it. That Reuben Foster Nobody would come thinks in this organization a team stable. leader.
0: No one thinks the organization's stable. It's, it's the, the most
1: normal up. and best it's been on the football side in twenty five years. Uh.
0: Okay. I, I don't know where you're getting that from, but I'll just let it slide because now I have a feeling I know where you got it from. So we'll just leave that uh, be for right now. Um, I did want to mention um, that Landon Collins continued his media tour this <laughs> morning, showing up on the NFL Network. He got
1: the hang of being a Redskin, didn't he?
0: <laughs> real quickly, yeah. I mean, predicting Super Bowls, talking about pat, you know, grudges that he's going to pay back on. It's really re- remarkable. I don't somebody criticized me the other day on Twitter for being over the top, you know, with my reaction to Landon Collins. First of all, just, you know, to set the table correctly, I actually was in favor of the signing of Landon Collins. I liked that signing. It was expensive for safety. I totally get it. It was very expensive for safety, but I actually liked the signing of of uh, of Landon Collins, but since he's gotten here, like everybody else, past, present, current, once they get here and it's off season, you know, sometime between January for them, the the off season starts in January every year, um, and and August, no team seems to produce more boastful. Predict, pr- predictions about kicking people's asses, especially teams within the division, more than the Redskins, yeah. only to produce the opposite. Yes, the year opposite in,
1: year out. in, in results. It, it's basically uh, the Redskins move. Year after year, you have players speak up about how great they're going to be. And no one tells them to shut up. Nobody nobody well, in a coaching staff... we, we st- have,
0: and others have. Yeah, but no one know. on
1: the coaching staff Well, uh, drills it into these guys' heads... That you haven't done anything, you haven't proven anything. We 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 need to prove things on the field before we talk off the field. Now I get in this day and age, it's hard to keep players from you know talking trash on, on social media, but uh, it seems like it's the first page of the playbook when they walk into Redskins Park.
0: It feels that way. By the way, I said Joe Bostic. I meant. Uh, John Bostic, um, for the Steelers. Uh, I thought I had misspoken there, and you didn't correct me, but I was able to correct myself. You're of no help you know, I ever. get tired of correcting. Uh, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> it's, true. It's exhausting. Um, the uh, the funny thing is, is I, you know since we record this, in the past, being on radio, you'd get a quick text from somebody or... You know, a tweet saying you said this, and I'm yes. like, and I can correct it and thank the person. I actually can thank myself because when I said it, I'm like, that's not right. It's uh, did I say Joe or did I say John? And I think I said Joe. If I said Joe, it's because there was a Bostic. Joe Bostic. There was a Joe Bostic. He was that's Jeff's right. brother. He was Jeff's brother. Played yes. for the Cardinals. Yeah, I believe it was for the Cardinals for many years. Well, right? you know, among if, other teams.
1: Maybe you got it wrong, and you'll just have to correct <laughs> well, it. At some you know, point. what? now I'm
0: going to look it up. <laughs> now I'm going to look up Joe Bostic. Because I think it was primarily with the Cardinals. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. Was it all only with the Cardinals? Yes. The Cardinals, he had a 10-year career with the St. Louis and Phoenix Cardinals.
1: So you don't get to correct yourself. What uh, a damn, disappointment.
0: Damn. <laughs> anyway, um, Landon Collins was on the NFL Network this morning uh, making his continued, you know, run through the media, um, bashing his former team and making predictions, and you know, th- this morning it came with, you know, him saying it really hurt him. You know, it, it, it hit me pretty tough. Honestly, he said, quote, about, um, you know, leaving the Giants. Remember, he seemed to be very excited to be here. Now he's lamenting the fact that the Giants didn't want him to stay, but he took a shot at Dave Gettleman, you know, primarily for trading Odell Beckham Jr., which I would just remind everybody it ha- that has nothing to do with him anymore. No. The trading of Odell Beckham Jr. from the Giants to the Browns, he's not a Giant anymore. He's a Redskin, but he seems really hung up on the OBJ trade. And he said, quote, Gettleman said things he wanted to say. He said he wasn't going to trade the man. Then he traded him. We was all surprised because that's one of the best receivers in the game. And for him to do that and to lie to everybody, it's not a good look for players and teammates, closed quote. So, you know, as a Redskin... Considering the way he feels about OBJ, he should be thrilled that OBJ was traded to the AFC. Yeah,
1: he doesn't have to face and him. And that now. he
0: doesn't have to face him on those, you know, two games a year for six years that he's got circled on his calendar. I don't know. I, I it's By the way. All of this stuff just adds up over the years. Don't you guys realize this? I think most of you feel the same. It's like just show us with actual winning win something and then start being concerned about you know former people and former teams and lies and truths and everything just go out as a strong safety and by the way a very good player and hopefully he will be here too because we've had good players elsewhere come here and not thrive right many times before Hopefully he will go out and provide them with something they haven't really had a lot of. I mean, D.J. Swearinger was a pretty damn good player yes, here. Yes, he was.
1: He was a good he, player he, here. he was a good player here. And uh, actually, for the first half of 2018, he was one of the best safeties in the league. I mean, yes. You know. and, and I just wanted to point out something. Dave Gettleman has become a punching bag in, in, in the NFL and a bit of a clown. And that's fine. But uh, another ranking came out of NFL general managers. This one by Roto World. And
0: Dave Gettleman was not the
1: last general manager on the list, ranked on the list.
0: Hold on. Did you send me this list? I think I did. I the, I, did. I don't think I opened it up. Sorry. The last
1: one on the list of existing GMs. Let me guess. Bruce Allen? Yes. Yes. A familiar
0: spot. Went, wh- so
1: as much of a clown as Dave Gettleman is, people still view Bruce Allen, who covered this league,
0: as worse. So, Roto World put it out, yeah. you're saying? Um,
1: NFL best GMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to look for it now. You can take my word Well, where, for
0: it. where was Gettleman ranked? I don't know. On the list. I don't... You see, unlike
1: unlike uh, Landon Collins, I don't care about Dave
0: Gettleman. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Dave Gettleman... Um, Look, he came off as very sensitive to all of the criticism regarding the Daniel Jones trade, and I actually think he came off as clownish in the way he handled it. Oh, yeah, it.
1: he's earned his he's earned yeah, his reputation. But,
0: but, you know, and Landon Collins will have a chance to back up everything he's done and said on the field, and Gettleman, you know, we, nobody knows at this point whether or not he was right or wrong. Right. He I mean, could be in, proven in, right. Now, some people week, say— week
1: four of the season—
0: Yeah, some people will say—I'm talking about just Daniel Jones' career. Like, if Daniel Jones becomes a really good quarterback, no one's going to really remember that he took him, according to some, too early at number six overall. Right. Even though—and, you know, I think I know this or I feel confident about this— even though I don't think the Redskins would have taken Daniel Jones because Dan Snyder was not going to take Daniel Jones— but I do think that the word was out there that some people in the Redskins organization favored Daniel Jones. And that's probably what Gettleman was thinking. Yes. That if Kyle Smith and or Jay Gruden or somebody else wins out in this debate with Dan Snyder, they could take the guy I want. I, you know, ultimately, again, if Daniel Jones is great, it, it, is, it, is any Giant fan going to criticize him for taking him too early? That position too early if that guy turns out to be great. No, but if he's not great, they'll never forget it. No, and he'll be done if he's not great. But that's going to take a few years, just like with Haskins. Nothing Haskins does in this rookie season. I'm going to say this right now, and you can hold me to it, because I'm going to try to be very, very um, patient because young quarterbacks you should be patient with. Even though we had a guy on, what, Aaron, last week or the week before, the guy from the Action Network who said, you know, a lot of these guys that get drafted in the first round, when they play right away, their results are there if they're good, yeah. and their results don't change that much, you know, through the, the the following years in their careers. They start out good and they stay good. But with Haskins, if he gets a chance to play without, you know, productive receivers with a banged-up offensive line if that happens again – I'm going to be patient. I, there's no way I'm going to judge Dwayne Haskins on his rookie season. I mean, I think we'll be able to have a sense of where it's headed, but you can't have—I don't think—after one season a definitive conclusion on that position.
1: But you see, here's the thing. Here's
0: the thing that. By the way, I'm uh, maybe the definitive conclusion could or uh, if he plays great and he's really good as a rookie, I would actually be more bullish and probably say you can be more definitive that this guy's the real deal if he comes out as a rookie and really performs well. But if he doesn't, I think you have to be patient.
1: But there's two report cards. There's the football report card, and then there's the off the field report card. And I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins has a history of being a problem. He He doesn't, doesn't. No. But when when you become the owner's uh, favored uh you know uh, player, there's there's things that you have to deal with that are difficult for a young player to deal with right that things that that can that can destroy the chemistry of an organization, even one as bad as this. So I think part of the judgment on Dwayne Haskins is how he handles being already the the favored child of the organization. <clears throat> Before he's even taken a snap in a regular season game.
0: You know what? That's true. I don't know what we're going to learn from the outside looking in, other than if something if all hell breaks loose and there are leaks coming out from everywhere about Snyder getting in the middle of the development of his prized, you know, quarterback that he selected. Well, it could I mean it
1: could it, just be something as simple as Dwayne Haskins and Haskins and Haskins given a team privilege that other players don't get. Those things create resentment in a locker room.
0: This is one of the things when they drafted him, I, I said it's going to be really important, and I don't have faith that, that this will. This was a learning experience, but I am hopeful that the owner learned from the experience with RG3 that the coach has to be able to coach the player. Yes, If the owner gets in the middle of that, that's problematic for everybody.
1: And you can't. You can't have a special privilege for a rookie quarterback and not for your starting right tackle. Well,
0: he's already gotten I a know certain he has. privilege in getting the, the jersey getting numbers the jersey
1: that And, and that's, a, that's the wrong path to go down, because that creates resentments in locker rooms.
0: Right. So, um, the thing that I wanted to... We mentioned the Landon Collins stuff, and... I wanted to get to with you here today because it's Saturday that marks the 20-year anniversary of Dan Snyder's ownership of the Redskins. 20 years ago, May 25th, 1999, NFL owners uh, unanimously approved the sale of the Redskins to a group led by Dan Snyder for $800 million. Um, And... You know, I still cannot believe, in, in thinking about what happened 20 years ago, really starting 21, 22, 23 years ago, I still cannot believe that Jack Kent Cook didn't figure out, from a will perspective, a way to leave that team to his son.
1: It is. It is. It's it's, it's complicated, and it's, it's difficult to
0: believe. It really is. It's yeah. almost as if, don't you still feel the same way? Because I remember feeling the same way, or this way at the time. That he almost didn't trust his son to own the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. It, obviously, if he felt that that his son would be really good at it, well, you know, you know what? Cook Cook was a complicated guy. I understand. And that. and and, and as much as we, as much as Redskins fans beloved Cook,
0: he could be a real dick. I know. I know that's true. And I in his relationship with with his son was complicated yeah. as well. I, I, do you think it's possible that he said that this was intentional? He wouldn't be a good owner of this franchise.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I don't know how much by by putting the team, I don't know how much he wanted his legacy to be the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, which is still operating mm-hmm. and still giving out grants to, to uh, young people year after year after year more than 20 years after his death, maybe he wanted to create a monument to himself, a living monument to himself. And the way to do that was to sell the team. Because I think, I mean, look, I don't know what his estate was like. I don't think his his assets were as valuable as he thought they were, like the Chrysler Building, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Daily News, the newspaper he owned. So uh, what could be in the play is, you know, I want to build a living monument to me. And uh, if I if if I leave the team in my son's hands, it could tarnish my my memory.
0: I I don't I don't know if that's true, but it is still to this day very odd. Yeah, that the the he, he did not create an easy way for his son to retain the team. By the way, just as a quick aside, I played in a golf tournament. Um, uh, a charitable golf tournament recently and guess who was there and actually sponsored a hole Mar- well, Marlena. really yeah really yeah <laughs> so she's done okay for herself i i well i i don't know if that's an indication that she's done well for, for herself i'm just saying that she was there i did not see her um but she sponsored a hole and was apparently playing in the event anyway um and you didn't so, see her no i didn't I didn't. It was a it was a mobbed event. I mean, it was it was two groups on every single hole, and then you and then beyond that, no, it wasn't that, that wasn't it at all. So it was a prestigious um, event that it, you it was, were invited it, to play. It in. was not prestigious. It's it's it was actually just so you know, it was a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, son passed away um, a few years ago at twenty three years old. And um, just stunningly and it, very sad. And his son was a super kid and a great athlete and the whole nine yards. And so my buddies had this now for the second straight year, this charitable okay. event. Um, anyway, so s- somehow I-, I noticed her name was sponsoring a hole and then somebody had mentioned that she was out there as well. All right. Um, anyway, so Dan Snyder's ownership, 20 years now. Uh, he has owned the team. Uh, the we know what the the, the record is, right? One thirty nine and one eighty since he bought the team, and there have been two playoff wins, two. And to be fair, the first one really wasn't. You know, he he took ownership of that team in in May of nineteen ninety nine. That team for that nineteen ninety nine season was already set by Charlie Casserly. Yeah, yeah, that, that he
1: was a passenger on. Right
0: that. Um, now, you know the the. You do know this story that he wanted to somehow reverse the Brad Johnson trade. He did not like yeah. the trade, tried to wanted it reverse, but they couldn't do that. Yeah. Thank God because they did have that one really good year with Brad Johnson and they won the division in 1999 and won a playoff game against the Lions at FedEx Field before losing to Tampa uh in the second round in and a and very game, close very game. Very close game, 14 to 13 and and they had, they were within a whisker of being in the yes. NFC championship game against the Uh, the greatest show on turf, the the St. Louis Rams. But... Um, The only other playoff win came in the Gibbs 2005 season when they beat Tampa, Tampa on the road and then had a legitimate shot in the divisional round. If Carlos Rogers could have held on to a pick six for a 10 nothing early uh, first quarter lead, they had a legitimate shot to beat Seattle and get to the NFC Championship game that year, uh, which would have been against Carolina. I think really the RG3 moment and that Gibbs 2005 moment are the closest to something big that this organization has had during dan snyder's era the 99 thing i i don't really give it's part of his ownership so he gets credit for two playoff wins but that was one that he couldn't get in the middle of it was too right. late for him to really screw up but um anyway uh the redskins um uh have had uh, eight head coaches during his tenure in 20 years. Think about that, eight head coaches in 20 years. Um, we've seen all of the, you know, splashy free agent signings over the years that have produced very little, the bad trades over the years that have produced even worse. And we have essentially seen in 20 years, one of the most loyal and passionate fan bases in all of sports It's not crazy. People that that are here, that moved here in the last 10 years and, and see what the Redskins are now, you have to understand that when he took this team over in 1999... They had had a bad run of a few years, okay? Yeah,
1: it's not like they were great before Dan Snyder bought no, the team. No, they had a tough six-year stretch. From 93 stretch. through 98, Yes, they, they were not very good.
0: Not very good. Uh, it was the worst stretch they had had since the 1960s in yes. terms of their record. But they still, at that moment, had one of the most passionate and loyal fan bases in all of sports, and it was recognized as such. I'm not exaggerating that. No, you're not. The, the you're re-
1: absolutely not. It was considered uh, a marquee franchise in terms of fan interest in the NFL.
0: Yes, and one of the you know marquee storied franchises in the in the league. That's what they were. That's what they were when Dan Snyder bought the team. Um, we we came up with just a list of things that we would talk about to, to talk about the 20 years. And I'm glad you're here because I, I I don't want to do this tomorrow. I'd rather do it with you um today um the, you'd, the, be,
1: you'd be glad
0: that i was here even if we weren't going to talk about this uh, of course all right of course um let's make that clear i want to not everybody I, is I, I glad I wanna, that i'm here i want to start with the positive okay i want to start with something positive about his ownership i want us to list the best thing or maybe things that he's done as the owner of the team this is a very difficult list to put put together it
1: is and it isn't when you think about it and i'll tell you why okay
0: the uh well you want to start well there there's one thing that sticks out more than any other and that is the hiring of joe gibbs that the hiring of joe gibbs in 2004 to me was by far and away the best thing he's done as an owner he not to me Okay, but let me then let me finish with with this. First of all, the organization had hit its first rock bottom. Yeah, during oh, the Dan it, it was era. the
1: hail mary of all hail marys. Yeah, it
0: was the post Spurrier disaster. Um, people had, you know, uh, blamed him for ruining what looked, to, that appeared to be a good team in development, even under Norv Turner, with Brad Johnson, at quarterback, and what they had done in 99 and 2000. They, 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 and they had drafted
1: Lavar Arrington and Chris Samuels, Chris Samuels in the same draft.
0: But they had gone through that incredible, you know, fantasy football spending spree in 2000, and then he hired Marty Schottenheimer and fired Marty Schottenheimer at the end of one year because... He wasn't, and the ownership wasn't having enough fun. Um, And I'll get to the Schottenheimer thing uh, here in a few minutes. But the Spurrier thing was an utter disaster, um, and they were at their first rock-bottom moment in his ownership tenure at the end of 2003. And the, it was a Hail Mary. It came out of nowhere. Yes. No one saw this coming. And I'll never forget the night. Like it broke very late at night or early in the morning that the Redskins were going to hire Joe Gibbs to come <laughs> back and coach. And I don't think that as a Redskin fan, during his ownership tenure, I've ever been that optimistic, hopeful, and excited In with one move with one announcement. And one of the things I have always heard about Dan is that in a very small group setting, one-on-one or just small group, that he can really sell that this is his talent. He's a very good salesman. One of the reasons that he was able to build that first company. Um, You can talk about that company and what it was and whether or not it was a house of cards and all that and the other investments, but he's always had an ability one-on-one in particular, not necessarily in front of large groups, but one-on-one or in small gatherings to really sell. And he sold Joe Gibbs. on coming back. And that, to me, is by far and away... For me, I'll get to yours here now, but that's the best thing he's ever done as an owner.
1: Okay. It's funny, because you mentioned both the best and the worst thing he's ever done as an owner. Uh, The thing that could have changed this franchise, the history of this franchise early, was the hiring of Marty Schottenheim. Yes. And the thing that kept the franchise from changing its history early was the firing of
0: Marty Shot. Well that would that's our next question. The worst things that have happened. And well, that's my number one. Well again always has been.
1: I mean to me it's 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 the same guy. The hiring is the best thing I think that Snyder had done. The firing was the worst thing that he's done. And I look uh I mean that the the worst things. I mean.
0: So you it, think hiring Marty was a better thing than hiring Joe?
1: Yeah, because I don't know if Joe would have accomplished what Marty was going to have accomplished.
0: You know what? That's fair. I'm just my reaction in the moment was that was the. Oh, best I
1: get thing. that. I, I get that. And I that. still
0: feel like Joe saved him from another. What would have? Because those four years in hindsight were pretty good. Yeah, for they a were. Dance, even though he had a losing record.
1: But if you don't fire Marty Schottenheimer, you don't need to hire Joe. No, Gibbs. you don't. So I mean, and and. No matter what you think of Marty, this franchise would take perennial playoff appearances and double-digit wins in a season without making the Super Bowl over what they've done. No doubt. So, I mean, I think that's the best and the worst things he's done. And let's face it, it's a short list of the of the best things he's done. And the worst things he's done is
0: it's... Oh, my god it's like it's like a roll of toilet paper so that that we just we each had one good thing that he's done by the way i want to make clear that this conversation is football team related i i do understand and i and i've recognized this before that dan and tanya and the organization in the name of the organization they've done a lot of charitable stuff a lot of stuff. charity
1: and dan from what i've been told by people who i believe does a lot of charitable acts that don't get publicity that's right so, so uh, this is something different
0: uh, so it's something different. They we're, we're talking about the football team for yes. the most part and everything associated with The thing
1: I we're talking about the thing you care about. You don't <laughs> particularly care how much money he gives to the United Way. Then don't pretend you do.
0: I've got two things on the list of the worst things that he's done. I I mean I could create a list of 20. Yeah. But the the top two things to me are both I mean uh, it, it's a one and one A. The the one is firing Marty Schottenheimer. Um I, I, To me, it, the moment he did it, I was pissed off as a fan. Why? Because if you watch that 2001 season, you saw a football team that had changed because of a head coach. Yes. And a head coach had, had begun to... To basically put a his cul- culture, a culture together, that the very a toughness, thing- a discipline yes. part. Uh, he he had y- old players that were bitching and screaming, which was a good sign, by the way. Yeah. you know the Bruce Smiths and even Daryl Greens, and he had young players like Levar Arrington that had totally bought in. That was the future, and with Tony Banks and Kent Graham. At quarterback, they turned an 0-5 start, a very ugly 0-5 start, which, by the way, included Dan getting in the middle of things early on. He wanted Jeff George to start the season, and Marty's like, he's a loser, essentially, but Jeff George started the season, and then remember, after 9-11... You had the break yes. because they canceled the games the week after 9 11. And they came back on a Monday night in Green Bay at Lambeau with Jeff George at quarterback. And they got beat 37 to nothing in that game. And the next day, Marty said, He's gone. Yeah. He's out of here. He, he and him. he got his way. And they took some lumps the next few weeks, and then they lost a painful game on a Monday night in Dallas. Both teams were winless, by the way. Um, it was a, a matchup of winless teams in week five or six of the NFL season. And Stephen Davis fumbled after picking up a first down to run the clock out with a 7-6 to six lead. Dallas got the ball back, kicked a game-winning field goal, and beat the Skins 9-7. to seven, And the Redskins were 0-5 in that moment. And... Apparently, Dan and Fred Drasner, who hated Marty, oh, yeah. Marty took his parking spot yeah. away. And Marty told him not to not to come to the, to the park. Told him not to show up to the park. Marty had already fired Vinny Serato. He got in and, and said, this is not my guy. Yeah. It's not good enough, Dan. I'm the head of, of personnel. And by the way, had John Schneider John in Schneider, here. John yeah. Schneider, okay. The Seattle GM. Yeah, the, the great Seattle GM of the last decade. Um, and from that moment, and it changed the following week in a game against Carolina at FedEx Field when LeVar Arrington picked off a pass down 14 0 and ran it back 70 some odd yards to make it 14 7. They rallied back. They beat Carolina, I think, in overtime, 17 14. And they won. That was the first of five wins in a row. And you saw this team with no quarterbacking. Tony Banks and his Andy always said and one audible yes you know but but it was also Kent Graham who came in in a, in, in a game at Denver and Sleet where banks looked to, to completely out of it. And Kent Graham came in and led him to a victory and they were winning games like 17 to 10 and thir- they won a game at Philadelphia 13 to three. And Tommy, they were right at five and five in the middle of a playoff picture with no quarterback play. Tony Banks and Kent Graham, and then they lost a painful game at home against the Cowboys. I'll never forget that. They were a big favorite. Like, people were buying into the Redskins, and they were a big favorite against the Cowboys at home, and Quincy Carter beat them. Came in here and Quincy Carter beat him, And then they basically finished 8-8. They won eight of their final 11 games. They had a chance, by the way, at home against Chicago late in that year to be front and center in the playoff picture. And Brian Urlacher, on a fake field goal, caught a touchdown pass to give Chicago the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, but this thing was headed in the right direction. It was getting younger, tougher, disciplined. As you mentioned, it was his culture that was starting to take over the building. There were gonna be guys that weren't gonna be there once he was gone. Bruce Smith was gonna be gone. Daryl Green would have retired probably earlier because he didn't want to play for him. Um, but that would have all been well and good because they would have gone on to win divisions, to have double digit double digit win seasons. Um, under Marty Schottenheimer. And yes, Marty's limitation was the postseason. And I do think some of it was on Marty. He got very conservative in the postseason. Also, some of it was just horrific luck with, with field goal kicker after field goal kicker missing field goals that could have won games. And the all-timer was when they played New England as, as when he w- went to San Diego. When they played the Charge, uh, the Patriots out in San Diego, they had the game won on an interception, and instead of falling down, the guy's running around, and he fumbled it right back to the Patriots, and Brady let him down the field. He had some bad luck in the postseason. Now, That's I, the worst thing Dan Snyder's ever done, yeah, firing I, I, Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, he... he he blew a chance for them to have a six, seven, eight year run of winning divisions, being in the playoffs, winning 10, 11, 12 games a year. Right.
1: And and changing the culture of what has become a toxic organization. I remember the next to last game of the season, they played down in New Orleans against the Saints. And I went Crushed down. Them. Yeah, they beat him 40 to 10. And I went down to cover it. And Charlie Casserly was in the press box, he was working for Houston. At the time, I don't even think the Texans had started playing yet.
0: Uh, they started in two thousand two, I think. Okay, well, this so it would have been the next year, yeah. yeah.
1: But he's already working for Houston. <clears throat> I remember talking to him. I remember him distinctly telling me it was a miracle that Marty Schottenheimer Sh- with Tony Banks at quarterback had gotten this team so far. Right. I mean, literally a miracle.
0: It, it was. It was eight out of the final eleven. They're clearly heading in the right direction, and the owner decides, with the other ownership too, Fred Drasner, etc., that Marty, you know, is is a first rate tool. They don't like him. They're not having any not fun. Ha- no fun. They're having no fun, and so Marty goes to San Diego, where you know he ends up winning twelve games and fourteen games, um, and, and, and two different seasons. I think it was year two and year four or something like that, but. Um Marty was a winner. Marty, you know what Marty was? And Bruce Allen, I, I could could respect this, I think. Marty in many ways was George Allen. He was a phenomenal coach, tough, hard nosed disciplinarian that for whatever reason just couldn't get it done in the yeah. postseason.
1: Yeah. You you would think so. Uh I'm kind of curious uh if you have a number two I do. for the best thing he's ever done. <laughs>
0: I figured that that would be a shorter conversation. Um, do I have a number two for the best thing that he's ever done? After because Joe nothing gives... comes
1: to mind for me.
0: I mean, I guess it would be hiring Marty Schottenheimer in the first place. Okay, that would no. Have to be. Actually, it would be it would be hiring Mike Shanahan. You know the way I feel yes. about Mike, and I and I think that that was the right move. And you know, and all of you are going to disagree, and you are going to tweet me his record and how awful things were. Um, but I, uh, Mike, was a professional football person in the building he had professional coaches in the building the organization with mike's leadership and by the way with bruce as sort of you know working underneath mike which didn't thrill bruce um but they in many ways changed the way they had done business which in the moment was a good thing it gave him a better chance i thought for building and maintaining a a competitive roster um because they stopped overspending on on free agents past their prime and they started to draft more and they started to draft linemen more and they started to make better trades and create better contracts but w- there's no doubt that during this stretch the one thing they have failed on over and over again is they just have not been able to identify the right players right. it's not been Bruce's talent and and you know Mike didn't have you know a banner you know roster creation period, but some of their best players on the roster right now are still the players Mike acquired. Oh, Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, Chris, Ryan Kerrigan, Trent Williams, Chris, Chris Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. so um, I, I agree. Now,
1: uh, I mean, look, I was right with you on Mike Shanahan. I, I That's the last time. The last time that I was really bullish on the Redskins was the Mike Shanahan era. And people say you're always negative about them. I wasn't negative no, then. No, you weren't. I mean, I I, I, th- I thought Mike Shanahan was, was a proven professional, uh, but he, again, I'm, we're not going to argue the Shanahan regime. Uh, he made a couple of key mistakes. Uh, and actually, the first year he was here, I, I wrote this. He underestimated how poor the roster was he was inheriting. He really didn't realize how bad the talent was when he got here. Uh, and then the second thing was he didn't, he didn't stand fast when Bruce and Dan gave you know tried shoved Donovan McNabb down his throat. I know. And wanted to trade for the chance to to for Robert Griffin III. He 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 didn't say I'm deciding this, not you. Well,
0: the RG3 thing again. I mean, I'll, let's be clear on this because I've 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 done this so many times because you were a part of that interview. Mike has never said, never said that RG3 was pushed upon him. No he's never said that. Donovan McNabb, yes. He he had conditions to a McNabb trade. He wanted Bulger, Bulger retired, and he had conditions on a McNabb trade which was no contract extension and no more than a third and fourth, I think, and they ended up giving up a second and fourth. He didn't want to give up a second rounder. But RG3, he accepted and went along with it, but but gave Bruce and Dan fair warning that it was going to be a process to turn him into an NFL pocket-passing quarterback. So in the short term, they were going to do some unique things that the NFL wasn't used to, to make him comfortable and to give them a shot at winning. Um, Now, they all say, I, I, I don't know if Dan says this, I think Bruce would say this, that if they knew the $36 million salary cap penalty was coming, they would have never made the no. trade for RG three. They would no. have never made the trade to move up. And it was in days with the, of of with the Rams
1: days after the trade. Yeah, just like I think forty eight or seventy
0: two hours. Oh uh, no, it was a little bit longer. No, than No, it wasn't. It was really close. I think it was a little bit. It was the well. It was right before free agency started in March, and yeah. I think the trade was in February. Yeah, it, it, you may be right. You may yeah. be right. But but uh, but b- go ahead. Did you want to mention? Did well, you want to go th- back and mention another good thing? Uh, no, no, I have no okay. other good thing. Okay. Uh, but My, I have a number two on the worst thing.
1: But your number two on... on Okay, what is the number two on the worst thing? The,
0: the number two on the worst thing he's ever done as an owner is get in the middle of the Shanahan-RG3 relationship. Because I still believe that if Dan had empowered his coach and told the player, he's your boss, not me, rather than really what they did was... You know, they undermined the entire operation together. They didn't realize they were doing it. Dan should have. He's an adult. RG3 wasn't. But to empower and entitle and to coddle. And to create different rules for RG three, which by the way he had done with other players in the past, he had done it with guys like he did it you with know, Clinton, with Clinton and with with Hainsworth. You know, I, I've heard stories in recent years that some of the stuff with Hainsworth that his door was open to Hainsworth twenty four seven and to nobody else other than Clinton. But what he did in that particular uh, you know end of twenty twelve season starting in Cleveland, when he you know basically tried to make Mike play. RG three after he'd been injured the week before against Baltimore. And the doctors have said, no, he needs a week off minimum, probably more than that. But remember RG three doing the, 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 the workout, the workout, the pregame workout. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the complete and utter, um, you know, you go tell him you're not running that offense anymore. Um, it was, it was sabotage. He sabotaged his own team. By getting in the middle of coach and player, he's summarined the 2013 season being all in for week one. He put Mike in a very difficult situation. We can sit here, and and I could. I could go through a lot of things that Mike has misstepped on along the way. I'm not saying he was perfect. I've never said that. But that relationship where RG3 felt like he could go over the coach, all of them, right to the owner, as a very immature personality. Oh, yeah. Completely sabotaged that team, that situation, and for RG3, I think it ruined any chance he had to become a legitimate starting NFL quarterback. He would have been much better off staying with Mike and Kyle and having the two of them, along with Sean in the organization too, remember, having those three people coach him up over the next few years than he was... With Jay Gruden coming in,
1: I I, I agree hundred percent with but that. One, and look, one,
0: one more thing, I think they would have had a chance to continue to be a decent football team and to grow with RG three because Mike hadn't given up on RG three until RG three gave up on him, courtesy right. of the owner pushing it.
1: You know, I I, I agree with all that, and as bad, and this is this is why I have red flags up about what's going on right now. I know you do, but. Uh, as bad as that was and as destructive as, as that was, I mean, number two is hiring Jim Zorn. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, they, they 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 had to hire the last guy left in the room as the football coach. That's how bad they screwed that
0: up. And it was but it was Vinny's suggestion. You know, he was this Yeah, was, but Dan Snyder wasn't a child. I understand. He wasn't that. sitting
1: there and saying, I mean, if did he sit there and say, Boy, that's a good idea. I mean, my God. Uh, you know, hiring Jim Zorn, <laughs> I think from the outside looking in, people would argue would be the worst thing they've ever done. Uh, to me, it's number two behind Marty because of where they were going with Marty in, in terms of the right direction. But
0: the thing is, is that there weren't many alternatives. Nobody wanted the job. Nobody wanted
1: the job. You know, this I mean, was another Steve rock Spagnuolo bottom. Steve had had... Strung them along
0: and then turned them down. Fossil, I asked Vinny about uh, Fossil and he said Fossil was never a possibility. I really thought he was. Remember? They floated him out there. Well, you know what? You talk to Fossil,
1: he'll tell you a different story. I know he will. I know he will. Because I talked to Fossil. We did. We had him on the show.
0: Yeah, so. And we asked him, how close were you to uh, becoming the Redskins coach? And he said he he started to hire staff.
1: He was hiring his staff. That's how close he thought he was. Right. So, uh,. Uh hiring Jim Sawyer. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, you know, that's still that's still the face in a way of everything that's been wrong with the Redskins.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm looking at the two opportunities I felt like they had a chance to really build something. And he fired the guy that would have built something here in Schottenheimer. And then he got in the middle of a relationship that could have developed and flourished in a completely different way. After, by the way, a season in which they won seven games in a row, this guy had the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL at quarterback. Um, He was coming off a devastating injury uh, in in the Seattle playoff game, but they had a 14-0 lead in that game. They looked like the hot team in the moment before he got injured they looked like the hot team capable of going on a run in 2012. If he doesn't get hurt, I I think they go to Atlanta the following week and win, and then I think they probably lose to San Francisco in the NFC title game at Candlestick, because it was still Candlestick at the time. But that would have been the best best postseason opportunity that they've had. Um, but the injury in the Seattle game happened, and the 14 nothing lead evaporated, and then the relationship deteriorated. And, and Mike will, it has told us, and, and I've heard this from various other people, that the, the relationship was great until the Cleveland game. The Cleveland game changed it all because Griffin, his father, and Dan, the three of them, were just beside themselves incensed that Kirk Cousins wasn't running the same offense that yes. Griffin was running. They couldn't believe that that was the case. Meantime, you know, Cousins came in and bootlegged his way to like, you know, 300 yards passing, and they blew Cleveland out. And by the way, Griffin had been running a lot of bootleg stuff too. Um, But they didn't have any read option for Kirk. Why? Because Kirk was more advanced as a pocket-passing quarterback. As a traditional quarterback, Griffin wasn't there yet. We saw that clearly in 2013 and 2014. Right. You know, this is where Dan, knowing nothing about football, but convinced that he does, sides with RG three and his father, and says you should be doing what Kirk Cousins just did in that Cleveland game. You shouldn't be running the football. That's really
1: hard to believe that a guy in that position, who had owned the team by that point for what thirteen years, uh-huh. would still be so naive and
0: foolish to act like that. It's arrogance, yeah, it is. Um, but the I, I do think you know. Perhaps the injury and his vulnerability to injury was always going to be a limitation if Griffin and if Griffin and Shanahan and Mike says about that, you know, when from the moment he got there up until the Cleveland game or the the Baltimore game when he got injured and the follow up to that, that their relationship was great and RG three was bought into everything they were doing. Um, and then it changed, you know, uh, when when Kirk came in and didn't didn't run the read option. Um, the, God, there's so many stories about what happened in you know in the in the build up to the Philadelphia game, which was the following week where Griffin. But, said, but again, yeah, but again,
1: they hired Jim Zorn to be their head. Coach. <laughs>
0: I know that's. Pretty I mean, bad.
1: that that I mean to me, the swinging gate uh, plays are perhaps the most symbolic plays in the history of the Dan Snyder ownership. I mean that, that 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 illustrates the Zorn era which illustrates how inept this owner was that he put this team this valuable franchise into the hands of a guy who couldn't keep his job as quarterback coach in Seattle where he was beloved I know and now he's in the XFL. He's the head coach in the XFL.
0: It's so it, when you said you know that that's the the moment that stands out for you. There's so many of those moments where you're just like, oh my god, this guy, what he's done to this proud franchise. You know, going back to Spurrier's final home game in a cold rain and sleet at FedEx Field against the Cowboys, and they got beat twenty-seven to nothing, Tommy, um, and. I just remember thinking, God, this franchise is sunk to a rock bottom. And then it was the Kansas City game in the 2008 season in October where the, the stadium emptied at halftime in what was still a competitive game in October. Then it was swinging gate, you know, at the end of that season. Um, And then it was the 2013 game against the Chiefs, remember, in the snow where the stadium was actually empty for the second half. And then we had this past year being down 40 to nothing in a game against the Giants at home. And then, of course, the Philadelphia game to finish up this season when it was, for all intents and purposes, a road game. There have been a lot of those moments. There have been a lot of them. Swinging Gate is definitely up there. It's a, it yeah. is so symbolic of everything. I think it is. But but there have been others that you yeah, just again, say
1: it's it's like you you know what? It's like a buffet
0: where everything you pick you won't be wrong. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. You go in. It's a Vegas yeah. buffet, all you can eat for twelve ninety yeah. five, and you know what? It's pretty good after that's you've the spent ba- eight that's the hours bad side. on a crap stable.
1: That's the bad side. Yeah. The good side is a Weight Watchers meeting.
0: Oh, <sighs> God.
1: Where, where you're parceling out and counting it's the, worst. the pieces that you can eat.
0: I'm doing that right now. Not Weight Watchers, but parceling, parsing out things. Not right, You mean somebody as, as, as... No, it's not a program. It's self-imposed. As powerful as you, um, as, as well put together as you, you don't need a diet. Who's telling you that? I got two more um, Snyder things real quickly. Number one reason his ownership has been a major failure... Number one reason more than it. Give me one reason more than anything else that his ownership has been such a major failure.
1: This is bad. This is really bad. And I apologize for it. No, you don't.
0: Yes, I do. Because
1: I don't like to do this. You do like to do this. No, Whatever I don't like to say I don't like to do this. Okay. I really don't. He's five foot six.
0: So it's Napole- its Napoleonic. Yes, uh, yes. That's the number one reason. Yes, you're going to tell me that there haven't been other short, successful owners. How tall was Jack Ken Cook? He was not a tall man. I, I
1: get that. He was Napoleonic too. <laughs> he just happened to be successful.
0: Okay, is that your real no, answer?
1: Well, again, you don't think. And, and I'm not criticizing him for being small. It's something he can't control. But you are, are, you, are you telling me that small man's disease doesn't exist?
0: I, I there's definitely you know a, a psychology to it. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. But so, I so, but I but, uh, so I, but no, I guarantee you, you, and I can't think of one off the top. Well, Red Auerbach wasn't tall, was he?
1: No, I'm not. Okay, not everyone is is, okay. is going to be that way. Okay, not a, not not every person under five foot seven. It's going to be that way. But (laughs) to me, that's why you can't ever get him to change. This is why he'll never listen to anyone. Let me just tell you this is why he'll never change and won't listen to anyone.
0: Maybe my answer is sort of an extension of yours because I wrote down the number one reason his ownership has been a major failure more than anything else is personal arrogance. He has never, ever because they he and the others in that organization that he's hired they've never been able to admit that they are the problem they've never been able to admit there's even a problem and therefore they've never attempted to fix the problem and it's because there is tremendous arrogance in in that ownership group and and in that no owner one, in particular
1: and no one who's getting a paycheck who wants to keep getting a paycheck is willing to tell him
0: well and and perhaps that you know that that arrogance and by the way the other part of it is that I don't think he's dumb um I I think that the organization has acted very dumb over the years they've done a lot of dumb things but I don't think he's dumb but I also don't think that he's you know probably the the most brilliant person I don't think he's a genius. But I think that, you know, the arrogance has led him to believe, along with the wealth, that he is. And Tommy, have we ever heard him say, sorry for this. It's my fault. It starts from the top. The fish rots from the from the head down. And I am the problem here and I've got to change. We've heard we've heard the, the ridiculous
1: and we still hear it today from people. Uh, and, uh, not far away from me at at, at some point is, uh, I've learned, I've changed.
0: We, I, we've heard that. From I, him. I think we have, we've heard, I, you know, I've, I've learned a lot since I've I was a, a younger lot. owner. Yes. I've but, learned, a, I've, but, I, but have we ever felt that I, that was true? That he really believed
1: no, it? No, I, I, I think he was just His saying,
0: actions have never suggested. No, but let's, l-
1: let's not forget. Uh, this is the most stable the football side of the organization has been in 25 years. So what are you are to- what are you
0: talking about? This franchise is outrageously <laughs> unstable. <laughs> that's that's. I what... mean, I, I'm telling you right now, there is uh, there's something going on right now inside the organization. I hope it doesn't play out the way it could play out because I'd like it to be at least for now let's get to training camp keep keep everybody else healthy and get to the regular season and play some games but trust me it's not stable it is not stable the dra- the draft night did not make this place stable the 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 results of the draft i think people are happy with yes the way the draft unfolded in that first round, there are many people in that building that are not happy about it. Right. It's not stable, so I don't know what you're talking about. It's the most stable in 25 years. Look, you know what could happen? What could happen? And, and this was the last thing on Dan Snyder. Number one thing he can do to create a winning future: first of all, he could luck into it. Dwayne Haskins could turn into Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, he okay? could, and he could luck into it. Um, but really, what has to happen is there has to be an admission that he's the problem somehow at 54 years old. And I doubt he will change at 54 or 55 years old. I doubt it. But if, if somehow there was an epiphany, if somehow, you know, in the business should be able to at least put him or send him in the right direction, the failure of this franchise that he owns as a business the erosion of the fan base they have to recognize that tommy there is a there's lost revenue there's lost customers that they have to see but they've got to be able he has to be able to admit i haven't done it the right way i've been too involved i have hired people that aren't competent to do this i have to find somebody and give that person total autonomy contractually Like, I am not going to participate. I will be here as a sounding board if you need me. This is your football operation, your football organization to run and go run it. And they've got to start over. This group, this group don't hunt. This dog don't hunt. No. Because Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden are not all of a sudden going to become 10-6, and 11-5, 12-4 team president and head coaches. No,
1: a- absolutely not. But you you know, this is one of the reasons why I like doing a show with you. You're, you're a glass-half-full kind of More guy. More times than not. You know, you came up with the word epiphany. That's a word of hope. Yes. You see, my word would be <laughs> scandal. That would be my word. They need – the Redskins the- fans need to hope – that there is wow. a scandal of such epic proportions
0: that he's got to that sell the team.
1: NFL forces Dan Snyder to sell the team.
0: I think that every Redskin fan would sign up for that right now. Yes. As long as the scandal doesn't hurt somebody. Yes. Other than himself. Yes. So no, it's you. You. You say epiphany. <laughs> I say scandal. <laughs> well, let me just say that part of what my hope would be is any result that ends in him having to sell the team i that would be that would be the start of a new future you know if you're not guaranteed to get a better owner but no, you're, you're cer- not but you're certainly not guaranteed to get a worse just like you're it, it would be yes. impossible to get something worse oh, yeah. you know what tommy he uh, did we have this conversation I forget other than John Wilkes booth or you know, any politician, has there ever been in the history of this city a more detested human being than Dan Snyder? Might have been Bob Short. No. The owner of the Senators? No. For he moving, moved,
1: he, they 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 poured a beer seven, on him and hung him in effigy at an Orioles game.
0: I don't, I mean, I, I certainly remember that he sold the team and moved it to, you know, yeah, or he moved, he moved, moved it team. to Texas. Moved the team to now, Texas. No, I would say Bob Short. Really? Yeah. More than Dan Snyder. They, yeah. But the Senators were never what the Redskins have been. Yeah, but the, there, there, there's no, there was never any love for the Senators like there there was for the Redskins yeah, for but the, but the twenty five years. Uh, look,
1: baseball had been in D.C. Uh, this was the second version of the Senators since you know, pretty much since the turn of the century, and he took it away. Yeah, I'd say the last time you saw a guy hated as much. In this town was probably Bob Schrute. Do you know what their attendance
0: attendance was in 1971? Eight hundred thousand. Yeah, I know what it was, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, most most teams didn't break a million back then. And what was the was it Ted Williams in '69 where they went 86 and 76? Yeah, Yeah. and but didn't get to the postseason. They finished second in the American League. They finished third. Third. Um, What. I mean, was there – well, you wouldn't know because you weren't here, but was there, like, tremendous fan support and optimism? And... No, there wasn't. I okay. mean, you
1: were coming off the riots in 68. Yeah, right. People were afraid sta- to go to the stadium. To, to go to the stadium. But that doesn't mean that there weren't baseball fans in town that, that hated them for taking away their baseball team. Do you know how many – You know what? You know You could do worse. And they almost did do worse. I mean, like, one of the great things about looking back 20 years at – when Snyder acquired the team, is who else bid for it? Peter Angelos was a bidder. Yeah, for
0: for this football team, a well, serious bidder. Well, the learners were interested well, in the team, but and but, then the, the the group that that had Gibbs involved. Yeah, Gibbs, Gibbs, the guy and from Sam Arizona, Gro- Sam Grossman. Right.
1: Uh, that would that would have been. I mean, most fans would have would have signed up for that. But Peter, who Angel- would have been worse, Angelos or Snyder? Uh, Angelos, really? Yeah, Angelos would have been worse. That's hard to believe. Like, and again, you know like when when you're when you root for a lousy team you seem to take side of kind of comfort in pointing at the homeless guy next to you without the sleeping bag and say well look at him he's worse <laughs> at least i got a sleeping bag that shouldn't make you feel better just because there's teams in this in this league that may be worse than you. The Cardinals are a worse organization than the Redskins. But at least they
0: went to a Super Bowl in the past. Well, uh, why? Because they got Kurt Warner. Yeah. Because somehow they, they got the, a, a Hall of Famer at that position, and he totally turned their fortunes around. And they drafted Larry Fitzgerald, which didn't hurt either.
1: Right. But but, but basically, I mean, there are organizations that are, are worse. than the, the Jets right now seem to be worse than... Than the redskins they, they, they fired a general manager who conducts the draft and <laughs> hires the coach i mean that's redskins like so but but that that's that shouldn't be any comfort that doesn't help you that doesn't help your team that there's worse
0: uh you're right and there is there are worse yes. i mean they're they're in the bottom te- you know 10% oh, yeah. of, of sports organizations in all of sports i mean at the, at this point if you try to argue that they're not in the bottom ten to fifteen percent of of worst run organizations, you're delusional, um, because they are in that group. But they're not in the bottom three percent. You know, they, you're probably right. They're probably a, you know three or four organizations yeah. that are uh, that are even worse. So go ahead, have a party. Um, you're not the worst. Okay. So twenty years of Dan Snyder. I I by the way, I think a lot of people are thinking about your Bob Short thing. I think there are a lot of people listening that don't even know who Bob Short, or had never heard the name Bob Short well, until you consider
1: mentioned it. Well, this, consider this an
0: educational lesson. I understand that, but the fact that you have to educate means that you're probably wrong on your answer. No. Because no, Dan Snyder doesn't need any education. People all know who Dan Snyder is. But, you know, uh, 50 years ago they didn't know who Dan Snyder well, was. Well, because he didn't own the team. Well, but
1: they, they knew who Bob Short was. If you want to play that game, based on the date, Nobody hated who, who, Dan Snyder in 1971.
0: Who's Who's the more recognizable named owner in sports, Bob Short or Dan Snyder? And the, I know Bob Short hasn't owned for whatever it is, 30 years. Dan
1: Snyder right now. In 1971, it was Bob Short. Yeah, well, because Dan Snyder was Dan six Snyder, years old or whatever he was. We, I don't, he wasn't, was he born? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was born then.
0: Yeah, he was born then. Right. Um All right, let's uh, do a quick word for uh, Window Nation and then get into some of the other things because, again, today is a menu of excellence (laughs) and we've got a lot of things To get to, um, right now, Window Nation has their summer sale going on, their introduction to summer sale, which ends May 31st. It is Window Nation's ready to kick off summer with sizzling savings. Buy one, get one free. Window Nation's absolute best offer is back. Again, only for another eight days, all right, until May 31st. Buy one window, get the second free. Buy two, get two free. Buy four, get four free with no limit. Plus, 0% interest for five full years. There's even more to this smoking hot deal. If you call today, you'll get a free in-home quote, and you'll get a pair of tickets to Hershey Park while supplies last. Wind donation will come out to your home within 24 hours, and they come out seven days a week, and they'll provide you with exact pricing, not just an estimate. Backed by Windonation's A plus Better Business Bureau rating, you're guaranteed the best value from Windonation, or they'll pay you $250. But you have to act fast. Windonation's sizzling savings ends May 31st. Call today. You buy one, you get one free with no limit, plus 0% interest for five years and bonus tickets to Hershey Park. I and many people I know have had Window Nation install windows in our homes and I promise you that Harley and Aaron and Eric they're the best in the business and if you mention my name when you call them at 86690nation or go to windownation.com they'll take good care of you and now's the time to do it with the deal that they've got. Buy 2 get 2 free, buy 4 get 4 free, no limit, 0% interest for 5 full years and A pair of tickets to Hershey Park while supplies last. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. All right, Uh, the Nats lost again uh, last night to the Mets. They'll finish up their four-game set with the Mets this afternoon. Strasburg pitches. The Nats are now 19-30, 11 games below five hundred. Um, and uh, still just nine back of the Phillies who have lost now, what, Aaron, two in a row? They, I think the Cubs rallied again from a deficit to win last night late against the Phillies. They're they're lucky, and I said this to Aaron yesterday, Tommy, that they're in a division that is not very good. You know, at the top, I mean, they could be 12, 13 games back in, in the Central or in the West and right we, now.
1: And we were all wrong about that because we thought the division was going
0: to be very good. Right. Um, I, I was checking out early this morning um, CBSSports.com has the you know the 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 playoff um, uh, possibilities you know with baseball the the projection the percentage projections of, of chances to make the postseason and the Nats are still ahead of the Mets in the division as better chances to make the playoffs and they still have like a 12 percent chance to make the postseason in terms of of, of the projections it means nothing but uh, I still would not, I still don't think that they will fire Dave Martinez. I think you agree with me. And to be honest with you, I don't think they should yet. I think there's still time to turn this around. It's a bullpen issue now more than anything. You would agree with that, right? Yeah, uh,
1: I don't see them. I I, I can see them turning it around to be competitive, to wind up 500.
0: Well, that's by the way, that is the projection on CBSSports.com, is that they will win 81 games.
1: You see, I don't see them being able to turn it around enough to win the NL East, uh, the bullpen is—I mean, it's May, and you have to build pretty much a brand new bullpen. The last time Mike Rizzo did that was in July of 2017, right around the trading deadline, when teams were looking to trade. You got two months to go before you get to that point. Right now, uh, the Nats are using are going to be using their 19th pitcher. This year in just two months. Jesus. They use 30. The most they've ever used in a season is 30. And that was last year and 2008 as well. They're going to go over that amount this year. So they've used 19 pitchers and they're running a tryout camp for relievers right now. And, uh, you know, there, there's there's no trade to be had in the middle of May to get your Ryan Matson and Sean Doolittle like there was in July. I just... I, I see the bullpen not being as bad as it's been because it's been historically bad. I mean, I saw Buster only had tweeted it, tonight, the
0: Worst ERA in, in baseball right now. I think well, it's 6.89 or something like that. It's the
1: second worst ERA in the modern era since 1920. Mm. The worst ERA was the 1930 Phillies, 8.03. The Nats are 6.89. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. None of them. Are teams that have played since 1950. Wow. So this is historically bad. Uh, the, the odds say this isn't going to
0: continue. <laughs> I'm looking at this I mean, list. I mean, they're on a list with a bunch of teams from the 20s, yeah. 30s, and then 1950. Yes. Is the most recent.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean. The
0: Browns. Were that the St. Louis Saint Browns? St. Louis
1: Browns, who became the Baltimore Orioles. Right. Uh, so. In the, uh,
0: in the 50s, they became the Orioles. 54. Right?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I don't see it being that bad, and I see them having enough talent to climb uh, up to maybe 500, but I don't see them winning a the division. That said, I don't see them firing Davey. I just don't see them do it. I, I, uh, I, I, I don't think Mike is going to do it. If, if, he, if they do, it will be an ownership knee-jerk reaction. And in a way, it would be ownership admitting their worst mistake which was not bringing Dusty Baker back. If they turn around and fire Dave Martinez, at this
0: point what's, and again, what's Buck Showalter doing?
1: Uh, Buck Showalter is probably sitting home counting counting the money he made with the Orioles. Um, uh, Buck Buck is very tight with Mike. They're very close friends. Uh, but uh, and I don't know if Buck wants to manage in a new reality of baseball. I mean, he's used to. I don't know how much he made with the Orioles, three or four million a year. He's not making that. I mean, I, the the learners, I give them credit, they were ahead of the curve on not paying managers uh, because Dave Martinez makes more than Alex Cora, who's <laughs> the manager of, of the World Series champion Red Sox. Nobody's paying managers these days. So uh, I just... And again, I don't think firing Dave Martinez is going to do anything different. It's going to change anything. I mean, he did everything right last night. Right. And, and I mean you saw what happened it it was it was stunning people people
0: last night was was incredible because it i felt so badly for Doolittle, and i felt badly for dave martinez because it just looked like here's a guy that cannot get a break cannot get anything to go his way because he had brought in in the seventh he had brought in grace to 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 uh to face two batters which turned out to be the right move and he got out of the 7th and came in in the 8th with Barraclough all right Barraclough got the, the the first batter to, to to strike out then um uh there was a double and there was a runner on second when he got his second out and then he faced Todd Frazier and I, and I'm I'm watching this at bat and listening to JP and JP saying um I'm sorry JP FP is saying that you know, and even Carpenter saying you want to be careful with Frazier here. You know, you don't. If you get ahead, that's fine. But if you get behind, don't be afraid to walk him. If you watch that at bat, even at two zero, he's trying to throw strikes, and he and he actually threw a couple of pitches that were super close to strikes. But he walked him on four pitches, and that was it. I mean, they were. He was trying to get Frazier right. to swing. I don't think he was when he got to two and zero that he that he decided to intentionally throw stuff out of the zone to put him on what was an. Empty first base. Doolittle comes in and Davey, by the way, looked very confident as he walked out to the mound. Didn't he's he? got, his, he's he, got his
1: second best pitcher yeah, he, on, on the team and, you know, behind Scherzer right. and, and Sean
0: Doolittle. Just need one out here and then three in the ninth and we win one-nothing. Alright, boys? Yes. Things are good. And the first pitch, first pitch to, uh, to, to, he's facing Gomez is he hits him. <laughs> hits him on the first pitch and you could see the, like, the air. Went out of the balloon with Doolittle. And then he faces Lagaris And he gets him to swing on on the first pitch. And you're like, all right, maybe he can settle down. Maybe we'll get a double. we we'll just get a, a ground ball here and right. get, get out. And then it's a double into the gap. And not one score. Not two. Th- all three right. runs score. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Then he faces Davis, who launches a three-run shot. You know, after a long at bat. You know, and and I think it was a two-two count or a three-two count, something like that. It was six and to it, one. And it was six in to the one. blink of an eye. In a blink of an eye, yeah. and and you saw like Doolittle's been so good for them, and it's like I couldn't get us through after a great start by Max. No offense them last night again they're facing they're the facing best too DeGrom. um but uh they couldn't generate anything off of uh off of the Mets bullpen Yeah, no. because I think Degrom came out after six yeah so that was that was typical last night of what we've seen not enough offense and then a bullpen meltdown
1: yeah and and again I don't see an answer to the bullpen I think it'll it'll stabilize somewhat at some point because I I mean the odds are against them I mean they're gonna they're gonna have to find somebody at some point who can throw the ball over the plate and get guys out with this tryout camp that they're running, uh, basically. But uh for all you who, who are calling for Dave Martinez's head, look, I don't think they should have let Dusty Baker go. Uh but Dave Martinez right now is not the problem with this team.
0: Yep. They've got you know, today to finish up, I mean, getting swept in a four game set by against- a team a that was that ready.
1: Would, to, that look ready to fire their manager
0: by by the end of their last series, right? And then you know, going into this weekend, you're going to face eight, you're going to face a Marlins team, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, is won now five in a row. <laughs> they're facing the Marlins, who have won five in a row. They swept the Mets, and they've won two games against the Tigers in Detroit. And now they're going to come in here for a four game set that ends on Memorial Day, and you know that that's one of those where I mean, I could see, I could definitely see if they lose today and then somehow they drop three or four against the Marlins at home, I could see like them, the learners almost saying, we got to do something here. Yeah, I could see. I, look,
1: like I said, except if, if,
0: that the Marlins are playing great. It's not like they're not playing well. I, I could see that. I mean, again,
1: it, it just may say, well, I mean, we can't just keep doing this. Even if it's
0: wrong or right, we just can't keep doing this. You know, I'm just trying to see how far out the uh, the Nats are from last place, because with the Marlins having won all of those games in a row, they're, the Marlins have probably gained a lot of ground on the Nats here. They clearly have. Yeah, the Nats, they're only two and a half back of the Nats really? for fourth. Wow. Yeah. I mean, these are the two worst records in the National League by a lot. Yeah. Like, it's not even close. Again, oh, here are the, uh, here's the POF, you know, the, the p- playoff, uh, you know, potential, um, percentage uh, potential. It's 16.8%, the Nats are right now to make the postseason, 9.6% to win the division. It's still ahead of the Mets, but obviously, Philly and Atlanta are the yeah. two frontrunners there. But they're projected to win 81.9 games. That, that, to, to get to above 500. That's an above five hundred number from being eleven games below yeah. five hundred would be quite the accomplishment. Yes, actually, yes, it would. And, but and it's not going to be good enough for the postseason. No, it's not. Uh, it just. And, but you
1: know what? I'm curious. You know, and what I don't get is is how fans are so willing to say, "Well, you got to trade everybody and start over again." You hear this in all sports, but you hear it in baseball all the time. Well, you know, you got to break them up. You gotta trade everybody. You
0: definitely hear that in baseball and, and, and basketball, and, and, but
1: yeah, and get prospects. Yeah, like like prospects are gold that fall from the sky. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my God, I mean, like you have a team that has a core group of players that if circum if certain circumstances were different, they'd be right there fighting for first place. And you, I understand. The, the the trade Anthony Rendon. Well, that that's think,
0: g- that's going to be the biggest topic right now between now and the trade. But I,
1: I I hear from people that want to trade Max Scherzer.
0: Well, I mean, again, if you're not going anywhere... You're not
1: going anywhere
0: this year! <laughs> I no, I agree with you. I think it's stupid, too. It's like, it's like, oh, we, we, we're we not going to be in the postseason. We can't win the World Series so this year. We've te- got a bunch of great players, so let's get rid of them. Yes! Because next year... And by the way, it changes all the time in baseball, too. Yes. You get teams that turn around from bad season to exactly. a playoff season all the time, too. This is... I mean, this uh, is you're, not... You're right. I don't... Th- yeah.
1: So, so stop with the rebuilding thing. Now, I mean, with
0: Rendon, it's different, because if you don't get him signed to a, to an extension, you potentially lose him with getting nothing back like the Harper situation. Yeah,
1: look the, the mistake they made with Harper was not that they didn't trade him was that they didn't become sellers. They didn't become buyers once they decided not that, to trade that him. that
0: was your view at the
1: that, time. That I mean, yeah. once you decide to keep Bryce Harper when you're five games out of the wild card, you, then you got to go for it. Yeah. Then you got to then you got to start acquiring talent. The learners didn't have the guts to trade Harper and then didn't have didn't have the heart or the or or the willingness to open up their wallet to then acquire players for a stretch run. You can't do that. What? Look, the bottom line is you can't afford to let Anthony Rendon get to that point. You have to sign Anthony Rendon, or or else there will be a tremendous backlash.
0: I agree with you on that with like, this
1: organization, uh, and and it won't take much to turn Nats Park into a ghost town. It won't take much. I mean for all what they've done since 2012 mm-hmm. and they're the third winningest franchise in terms of wins in, I think in 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 all baseball uh the the Nats are since 2012 the learners have never done enough to 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 plant the roots of of a fan base in this town they basically ro- rode the coattails of their success uh since 2012 but don't understand like the the value of marketing, so you can survive the tough times as well as the good times, and they they'll be in trouble if tough times come along.
0: I, I the attendance this year is the lowest it's been so f- I think in seven or eight years since before the Harper twenty twelve right. beginning of them being really competitive. So you have a point. I was a bit surprised when when you said that ghost town. I don't know that it's. Going to be a ghost town. For, first of all, you've got too many teams that you play a lot that are close enough by that, in, in particular, in the case of at least one of those teams, they are turning into a winning team that you'll be able to fill it up with opposing fans. But beside that, because right. I know that's not what you meant, I, I think, I mean, it's not going to be what it's been when they've been competitive. But I don't ever see Nats Park being a total ghost town. I think it could. Be. I, and
1: and uh, you know, Sunday night baseball, they're playing the Cubs. Yeah, stadium was empty. There were, not, there were a lot of empty seats. I was surprised. Beautiful night mm-hmm. on Sunday night. Now, again, it's school year on a Sunday night. People have to go to work on Monday. So I understand part of that's the point. But you're playing the Cubs on national TV. I was surprised at how small the crowd was. I, I mean, there's not, they have not anchored themselves enough for fans to feel the desire or the need to show up if they stink
0: it's interesting um i i think well obviously you will get a major and significant decrease in attendance yeah. but when you say ghost town i, I you know I, I think of you know miami it's not, never going to be no, that no it's never going to be miami so i uh, the the thing is about the nats um it has become like I, i'm i'm still to this day not in favor of where i thought there would have been prettier places to put the stadium, and even more convenient places. But it's a good stadium. It really is a good stadium, and it's accessible, and it's it's a very nice park to go out. You know, I went last week, uh, saw the, the Mets game last week. Um, I, I like going to games there. Like, whether they're winning or not, I actually like going to games there. It's not... I, I think they'll always be I think they've developed a core, and I think they've, uh, I think, I think they've developed a core, hardcore following. First of all, that are going to be there even in off seasons, and I think they've also developed themselves into um, for the casual baseball fan a really good social outing night out. It's, I don't know that you'll ever see a ghost town. You'll see it decrease. I think the Nats are have become more popular than I thought they would become in a short period of time. I think you'll be... I, I mean, I, the football's I, number one. it's I, still the, I, I understand the, the, okay, that. The, despite what the Redskins have become, right. it is still the runaway number one. But I think the Nats have a core group of, of fans like that are pretty hardcore. I don't think so. Really? I, I think you'll be surprised. What are their television ratings doing this year? I don't know. I'd like to know that, because I know a lot of people that actually do watch these games. Older people your age... People your age love baseball. Well, I can't wait till you're my age.
1: I can't wait till you're my age. By the way, one
0: quick thing. Rizzo did say on your station um, with the Junkies yesterday that they are aggressively trying to sign Anthony Rendon. So I would ask you, why haven't they gotten it done? I don't know. Does he want to sign here?
1: I I think he, yeah, he does want to sign here.
0: Then they must be not, they must be lowballing him.
1: Well, again, I think, I think, And I think it's on the baseball side as much as the ownership side. Why? Uh, I think he has a different idea of what what he's worth compared to what the baseball people think he's worth. That said, there are other considerations at play. You have to sign Anthony Rendon. You have to pay the freight, whatever the freight is. I think
0: they should have paid for Bryce Harper. I think that would have been a waste. I think that they would have been better off from a business standpoint had they paid for Bryce Harper. I don't think so. Um all right, I I want to get to to a couple of other things, but real quickly, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, rate us and review us please if you haven't done it already and I appreciate all of those all of you who have done it. Also just to reiterate, com for anybody that uh wants to listen to the podcast um and hasn't figured out how to do it in normal podcast platform. Uh just tell them to go to the website, the com. I wanted to get to this thing that I I I read this morning actually in front of both you and Aaron before the show started. And that is the league meetings yesterday. Um something came out of it that basically, I'm sure I'm not the only person, but it, it, to me it was so predictable that and I I was I was flummoxed why they hadn't figured this out. A couple of months ago, when they decided that replay was going to be a big part, uh, the pass that, that replay was going to be involved with pass interference, both called and non-called, and I focused on what the final two minutes of a half and game, when it went to the booth, could become, because pass plays have much of the time contact. So now, if you're not, if it's not being challenged in the final two minutes, and it comes from the booth, we're going to see a lot of stoppages of, of play in the final two minutes because there are a lot of passes to begin with. Yes, in the in the final two minutes, and now some jostling between a DB and an offense and an offensive uh, and an offensive wide receiver. We're going to hold it. It's got to go to the booth. We got to get Al Riveron to check this one out. My God, he was going to be busy in the one o'clock window during the final two minutes of a half or game. Well, yesterday, they, they all figured this out. And and remember, Aaron, too, and I, again, I wasn't the only one, but I mentioned the, the Hail Mary play. It's like every Hail Mary play has contact. Are we going to sit there at the end of every half until these plays are reviewed and potentially flags are dropped when they weren't on the actual play? Well, this was addressed yesterday. Apparently, the league, the competition committee, in an effort to clarify replay on pass interference, first of all, is going to do so by, more likely than not, this isn't final yet, but it's to be decided by the competition committee, and will not need a league vote on this, that in the final two minutes, when it comes to pass interference, it's got to be a coach's challenge. It won't be a booth review. The booth will handle everything else in the final two minutes, but as it relates to pass interference, that will have to be a coach's challenge on either a call or a non-call. <coughs> so like the New Orleans Rams NFC title game, if Sean Payton had a challenge left, he would have been able to challenge that. It would not have come from the booth. So um, that, I think, makes the most sense. That's what I suggested here two or three months ago when this came up. I said it's got to be a coach's challenge. I don't like this to begin with, including pass interference in it, but if you're going to do it, it's got to be a coach's challenge. Now, they have also clarified the Hail Mary thing. And the NFL is saying that the hail mary will be exempt from challenge or booth review, so it's going to be a, a, a call made on the field on a hail mary. But they did not define what a hail mary is.
1: Well, Kevin, you you know what a hail mary is. you're, well, you're Catholic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what hail
1: mary is. Hail mary, is. full of grace. Yeah.
0: Um. Come I, on. Uh. Can you give me your hail mary right now? Can you do it? Hail Mary, full of grace. Peace, the Lord, Lord is, is
1: with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among, among women, human, and blessed is the fruit of the thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray, pray for, for sinners, sinners now, now at the, the hour of our death, death. Amen.
0: Um, that was great. <laughs> <for> <laughs> it was only Catholics drilled into and, me. And by the way, it was we got through it, but just barely. Yeah. Um, and I think you got through it better than I did. But um, yeah, the the Hail Mary would be defined. This is how I would define it. I would say it's a play that comes from the forty yard line or further out in the final seven seconds of, a, of the half. Uh, a typical play is an average of around seven seconds. Typical Hail Mary play is probably. You put it this way, with ten seconds to go, you're usually not throwing the Hail Mary from the 40. Right. You're trying to get a play to the sideline or whatever, or you're taking a legitimate deep shot. But once you get below seven seconds, then, it, then you're looking at it as, we got one play here, and if it goes to the end zone, it's more likely that, than not a Hail Mary. So they're going to have to define that. All right because then it'll just rely on the officials calling it which they never call. You never see a a PI no. on on a Hail Mary, but the coaches won't be able to challenge and that won't be a booth review, but they just have to define that. So that would be my suggestion. 7 seconds or less a play that comes from outside the 40-yard line. Because uh, you can with 7 seconds to go from the 35 or the 30 or the 25, you can run a normal pass play. You don't have to throw it straight up in the air with three receivers and a bunch of DBs hovering around them into the into the end zone. It can be a normal pass play that you score on. Yes. Uh, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, so but anyway, I
1: am happy that they're including pass
0: interference on replay. It, it's amazing to me, though, that they can sit there and think about this and get pressured into it, by the way, by New Orleans ownership and Sean Payton and everything else, which is the part of it that bothers me. The rule itself – I'm, I, to me, I'm not moved one way or the other, other than I foresaw, as others did as well, this problem in the final two minutes with booth reviews on, on PI. I'm just amazed that they don't see that in the moment. Like, they're out there in Arizona for the league meetings, and they're coming up with all this stuff. And somebody doesn't stand up in the meeting and say, you know, these pass plays, there's a lot of contact that never gets called. And now what are we going to do? We're going to go to New York for a booth review on every throw that has contact in it in the last two minutes. How much time are we going to add to the end well, of halves may, and maybe, games? Maybe. Why don't they, they they understand that in the moment like we fans do? Maybe in a meeting
1: where you have a lot of people that want to say something, once you finally get the action through that you want to get through, then you would just want to get out of there. And the details you can work out over conference calls. Maybe maybe that's it. And they came up. It just could be a logistic thing of uh, of managing of of managing the vote
0: on this. The um that's you know what that's probably true. They probably left there saying we're all going to think about it. We've got this part of it passed, but we can tweak it in May at the next round of league meetings. Everybody think about what's holding. You know what could be the problem with this. But you know one of the reasons they rushed into it was this pressure. From New Orleans. Well, good. They you know? should have felt pressure. Uh, well, come on. I mean, a lot of teams over the years have been screwed and and, and right. In, so in that doesn't ways. make it better. Here's the other thing that came out of the league meeting yesterday. Thankfully, the Chiefs, you know, when they couldn't stop Brady in oh, overtime from going down and scoring a touchdown. What you an know, injustice. And they, yeah, and they wanted they they were proposing now that both teams guaranteed a possession in overtime. Um, it was not voted on yesterday because it does not, according to reports, have the support to move forward. Thankfully, but don't uh, although, you worry
1: that it, it, it will eventually. Wind well, it up. says
0: the chief's proposal will be reconsidered next year. Um, but the, the rule, look, I, I was fine with sudden death on a walk-off field so goal, but I. I, but I really like uh i, I the, the one thing i don't like about the rule now is i don't like the shortening to 10 minutes i think that that actually creates the opportunity for an unfair advantage for the team that gets the ball first drives down and ends up with a field goal but leaves their opponent with very little time to do anything other than get into field goal range to tie the game so i think it should go back to a 15 minute you know uh opportunity but no you, you, you stop them You know, don't don't let them. You you can hold them to a field goal and you're going to get your chance, or you can force them to punt and you can get your chance. Just don't let them drive 80 yards or 75 yards for a touchdown. Uh, That was it that came out of the league meetings, except for recommendations, more safety recommendations, including banning some of those drills like the Oklahoma drill and the bull in the ring and some of those other, you know, uh, the. (laughs)
1: Those, no, it's a Marty Schottenheimer. A Marty Schottenheimer
0: camp. drill, which, yeah. by the way, if you recall, they were doing Oklahoma drills day one, and Bruce Smith and Daryl Green were upset. They about were not it. happy. They were not happy about it. Um, lastly, we get uh, a Kevin Durant um, uh, discussion here, real quickly, and I'm going to pull up his Twitter because it was a it was a dispute, sort of, that he got into with Chris Broussard. Forgive me. I don't know who Chris Broussard is working for now. Does he still work for ESPN and write for ESPN or not? Aaron, do you know? Do you have any idea? I'm not sure. Okay. You know, he I'm runs. I'm sure I can figure it out. Undisputed. He works for Undisputed. What's Undisputed? It's, 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 other's name is Invisible
1: <laughs> because it's pretty much <laughs> what it is. Is
0: Undisputed the show with the guy that used to be on with Stephen A.? No, yes, I th- yeah, that's Skip Bayless and oh, Shannon okay. Sharpe. Oh, it's undisputed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yes. I guess he's a part of that show, which is on here. It is FS1. FS1. I- okay,
1: he ru- he runs, and he was doing this while he worked at ESPN, which is, I mean, unconscionable that that you, you were able to do this and ESPN let him get away with it. He was running a Christian men's,
0: uh, I sort of remember organization. This. Yeah, what's wrong with that?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, basically, they were lobbying for things. They were, I mean, he
0: he was he was he a was, political. He was, he was using his he was platform on ESPN to promote and to no, but, to market
1: but, that. But he was a religious political activist. Okay, working for ESPN. What's wrong with that? That's a conflict of interest. It you is can't do that. Why you can't now, look? I I know this is old you fashioned. You can't use
0: your job for the purposes no. of, of no, helping. No, you,
1: you can't even have the appearance. Of 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 of, of it, having a con of having any other interests. What's the conflict? Okay, Kevin, I can't belong. Tech. I know this is old school, and nobody pays attention to this, but I don't belong to any kind of of uh, cause organizations. Okay, because I consider myself a journalist, and uh, <laughs> not on this show. <laughs> not on this show not
0: on not on radio you're not no but but and and you know but you're more i uh, see i you're in a, you're a columnist i know that but i i,
1: I mean i you're people, an opinion maker but people still have to believe in your credibility not okay. you're tr- not trying to that you're not trying to put forth an agenda okay that's all and anyway i mean so he's involved in that too and look never one of my favorite guys to begin with and uh it's just another embarrassment for KD, who has nothing to do uh, except chase people on social media now since the Warriors don't need him to, to uh, win the NBA title,
0: right? Yes, that's what I want to get to. That's why I brought up this story, because it's the KD reaction to this. Because We we just went off on a little bit of, tangent, of a tangent on Chris Broussard. He just happens to be a part of this story where on this show Undisputed, um he had essentially said this what's happening with the warriors right now is kevin durant's worst nightmare that you know it's like the way you used to feel when you went on vacation and everybody loved the show much more when you weren't there. <laughs> it's not true. Um, but, ima- but you, You've been waiting all show to say that. <laughs> but actually, I, I only said it because you would have said it first in opposite. <laughs> but he basically said that this is Kevin Durant's worst nightmare, that they are winning without him, that if they go on to win a title, it really in many ways you know, diminishes what's happened the last two years. By the way, I think that's true to a certain extent. Um, So I think it does. I I think it makes him seem like an an, an accessory. So he apparently, as part of this, went on and on about all the conversations, the hours and hours of conversations about basketball and faith and media and lots of different things, this relationship that he's had with Kevin Durant. Where they have texted back and forth over the years, and some sometimes for hours upon hours. So Durant uh, basically responded by saying to Stephen Broussard, "Cap, cap, 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 cap." Is that short for captain? I don't. Is that his nickname? Aaron, help me out with that. One. What's that mean? I, I, I don't know I, okay, about that but one. whatever it is. He said, you don't have my number, man. M-A-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N. So Broussard responds saying, look, I'm talking about our DMs together on Twitter and Instagram. We've DMed back and forth. He used text, but who cares? I mean, DMing is the same as texting, and that was Broussard's point, which, by the way, I totally agree with. So Durant... Essentially said, you haven't. We've never texted, but didn't dispute that they haven't DM'd each other on Twitter and Instagram, which was the first was was the reaction to Broussard. And Broussard said, "Okay, we didn't text. We DM'd on okay. Instagram." And he he basically posted a video of himself in his car, I think, saying, you know, that he's not going to show everybody because he respects Kevin Durant, and those are private conversations but they were direct messages on instagram and twitter at this point durant has not responded to that so durant tried to make a big deal out of broussard saying we've had these conversations for hours upon hours via text and durant's like you don't have my number man like
1: well kevin durant's clearly hurt that broussard would say that this is his worst nightmare that he's that he's putting out there the narrative that a lot of people believe
0: well he also said um in response to broussard i see a little exact a little exaggeration there buddy my worst nightmare question mark question mark you sure that this is the worst that it can get question mark question mark question mark so he responded to the direct criticism before he responded to the you know the, the fact that you don't have my number no his worst um, nightmare <clears throat>
1: would have been if he had signed with the wizards <laughs> That would have been his worst nightmare.
0: Meantime, he's also responded, Aaron says on Instagram um, to a lot of the fans that have responded to this, he also responded on Twitter to a guy that said, who responded to Durant to, to saying, calm down, we know you're sensitive. And he said, you write, let me chill before my sensitivity flare up. You real one, bro. Uh, <laughs> so... Do you is, like
1: to walk down these paths? I, this is not a world that we live in.
0: I understand that. That's why it's it, it tends to be entertaining to me. But I think the bigger takeaway is that he's showing what we know he has, and that is hypersensitivity to yeah. criticism. Yeah. You know, he created fake Twitter accounts. Remember to promote his, you know, pr- promote himself and to defend himself. And it's just, I guess. It's not. I, I I haven't talked to you about this, but um, I I did this on the show the other day, and I I would ask you to read it if you have time. You won't, but anyway, there this guy on ESPN wrote this story about Bob McKillop and Steph Curry. I don't know if you read it; you probably didn't. But within that story was a story about Bob McKillop, the coach at Davidson, and his uh, his long, you know his long lasting scar for having kicked a player off a high school team back in the 1960s or 70s, early 70s, I'm sorry, yeah. because the guy showed up to practice late and he was running suicides and he couldn't finish the suicides. And he said, you want to quit? And and he kicked him off the team. And he said, you know, he, he went through this whole thing, how that sort of scarred him. And there the, the reporter has been able to sort of reconnect the two um, after all these years. And this guy for all these years – would open up the, the news the newspaper, go online in recent years and root for Davidson to lose. He still has had yeah. this hatred for McKillop this whole and McKillops felt the you know, felt all these years that he didn't do the right thing. But in the process of sort of explaining that story, McKillop said there's a sensitivity and an anxiety and a stress level that players today have that you just couldn't get away with some of the stuff that you could get away no. with years ago. And Durant's part of that generation. He's part of that hype, you know, social media has created a lot of this where they're so concerned with what people think yeah. and how people respond and what people say in the media and how fans respond to them. And this guy really has shown over the last couple of years to be even more sensitive than the average player of today. You know what's interesting? Nobody, you would argue, was
1: more sensitive to criticism than Michael Jordan. Except he responded
0: on the court. He responded much differently. Yes, he did. He responded on the court. Yeah. Yeah. He Yeah, he'd say okay. He looked for everybody that shorted him. Yes. Everybody that, that, that didn't think he was as great as he yeah. was, and he said, Really, I'll hang seventy on yeah. you tonight.
1: So that was a different kind of
0: response.
1: But he was very sensitive to criticism and used it as fuel.
0: Aaron, are there any, like, gems of, of responses on Instagram from Durant? Not really, other than it's just he's going to random people. Like, he's, he's very clearly
1: vanity searching himself and finding fans who are like, oh, maybe the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant and responding to him. So you, why, why don't we do that? Why don't we type up something <laughs> and, and, and see if we can get him to respond to it? I Let's mean, type up something
0: something that really will hit him hard. By the way, this really is, this was so predictable. You know, it would not have been predict. I mean, they're very what other situations like this in in sports right now, where you had a player join a championship team, win more championships, be called as recently as two and a half weeks ago, perhaps the best player in the game also comes with this incredible sensitive side where he is very sensitive to criticism. He gets hurt. And the team keeps winning. It was so predictable yeah. how this would play out. And Broussard accelerated it by saying this is his worst nightmare. But I think a lot of people felt the same thing for Durant. They haven't won the title yet. No, they but haven't. But if they do, with and I don't think he's going to play. I haven't heard any update to it. But uh, I think that the chances are more likely than not that he doesn't play in the finals. That This was this was not a torn Achilles, but a, a strained a calf, injury, calf right? or partially torn calf yeah. is... Is many weeks may not be eight, you know, six, seven months, but it's two months.
1: Well, they'll all be sorry if the Warriors lose. Then he'll show them. Yeah, he'll say, "You see, you know, let's let's type type up a tweet that basically calls him <laughs> out for not having the guts to come to Washington and create his own legacy. Not ha- not to be able to play for the Wizards. You know, he didn't have the guts to come home." And create a legacy where nobody would call into question. Instead,
0: he, he chose to be an accessory. You know, one of the reasons I think he didn't come home is I think that it w- was going to be a difficult situation for him to be so close to home and so close to some well, of the people that, that. helped I raise him. You know, like the remember one of the stories in that during that time period before free agents started where. You know, there was the story of one of his youth coaches, an AAU coach, perhaps, that you know was criticizing him for Durant turning his back on him and yeah. not giving money to certain people that needed money. Oh,
1: I recognize. I mean, that. that
0: that's the kind of stuff, and I feel for Kevin Durant on something like that. Like you, you know, somebody who's a youth coach who helps develop somebody's game and character to also have their hand out is the worst kind right. of person but anyway um but I'm just I'm just trying
1: we, we we need to get a response from them we need to provoke them here
0: well what you just said would be something that could provoke them
1: yeah should I do that <laughs> do
0: it okay I'll do it on Twitter you're always better no I won't I can't do that why
1: I can't bring myself to do that <laughs> why I just can't what? because that's low life behavior um you know what that is you that's not the been word that I hate
0: trolling yeah i know you hate that word i hate hate, that word you hate sense of urgency you hate no i like sense of urgency i like like it. okay
1: but but trolling is another word for the sensitive generation when they're criticized if somebody writes something that's critical they're trolling and i don't want really want to troll and just write something to get a response from this guy i'm not going to do that i just thought it would have been fun for you to do it (laughs) (laughs)
0: of course it's always fun for me to do it i'll think about it i will think about it and i'll have an answer for you later today or tomorrow actually my answer will come in the form of a tweet potentially yeah well um you wanted to mention gibbs getting into the nascar hall of fame
1: again you know to me this solidifies him as the greatest coach in american sports
0: History. He wasn't the coach. He was the owner. Well, to me, he's the coach. Okay, fine. He, 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 I, I know what you're he
1: saying. He hires the drivers. He decides who drive what cars. He hires the, the crews and all that stuff. Uh, he's the face of, of, of Joe Gibbs Racing. And, you know, NASCAR is a sport. I mean, it's recognized as a sport. And now he's in the Hall of Fame of two major professional sports for what he's accomplished in those sports. I mean, no, nobody... Look, I always thought that you could put Gibbs in every conversation as the greatest football coach ever right? based on the fact that he won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, none of which are Hall of Famers. That alone puts him in the conversation among the great football coaches of all time. Now, to go into an, another sport and to create the same standard of excellence and the same standard of winning... That they that they put him in the hall of fame uh sets him apart from everybody else who who has
0: called himself a coach in this country he's uh he's he's really a winner like just the definition of of winning and and a winner and everything he touches has always turned yeah. to gold it's amazing it's actually you know going back to our earlier conversation i've I've always wondered what he really thinks of Dan Snyder on a lot of he levels. He defends but him a lot. I know he does. Um, and the you know, and other people who have been here have defended yes, Dan they have. because they because I think, you know, they they know that there are owners in sports that are worse that are non supportive when it comes to giving you what you need to win. But right. but Gibbs, the ultimate in delegator, you know, the ultimate in, you know, being humble and not arrogant and You know, letting people do their jobs. I mean, he was the head coach of this football team and didn't have anything to do with his defense. He gave it to Richie Pettibone and said, That's your room. That's your group. You do what you think. I'm going to handle this group, I'm going to handle the offense. And, you know, and Richie, remember, you know, Richie got a lot of credit. Still to this day, people will say, that Joe Gibbs would have not accomplished what he accomplished without Richie Pettibone as his defensive coordinator. And you know what Joe says? You're right. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, I know that Richie was is an all-time great defensive coordinator. Um, but I also think that Joe Gibbs is an all-time great head coach and would have figured out a way to have the same success with or without him. But but it's uh I've always wondered what, you know, if he were injected with Truth Serum, what he would really say about Snyder. Well, I, I just can't imagine. I can't
1: imagine him having good things to say if he was on. If he was injected with truth serum,
0: uh, that's because that's I would, not the
1: truth. Uh, that's that's simply not the truth. Yeah.
0: So the thing is, though, for his four years here, those were the four years, and Vinny told us this when Vinny was on. Those were the four years where, where Dan really did step aside. Yeah, he had this reverence for Gibbs, and he didn't get in the middle of it. Now you can look at two thousand six. That off season is one of the worst off seasons in franchise history. But Joe was involved. Yeah. But Joe delegated too. Joe delegated to Vinny. I know. You know, he let people you know go ahead and do things, and probably it was a mistake for him to de- delegate to some of the people he delegated to. Um, but anyway, um, th- th- and, and one of the things I, I, that we talked about before the show that uh, I, I
1: had remembered and doing some research on Joe last night uh, that people tend to forget. He was a national racquetball champion.
0: Yes. At the age of 35. When he was a when he was a coach and assistant coach, yeah. he, he, he he played a na- lot of racquetball and I think competed yes. in racquetball when he was here as a yeah. coach.
1: He was a national champion and then finished second the second year. I mean, how how competitive and amazing
0: is that? I know, It's so competitive, such a winner, yet came off with as a guy with such humility. Yes and so like no
1: level of arrogance.
0: none none that we could ever see you know um yeah i mean you know p- part of his legacy you know his winning legacy is just outworking people like joe gibbs the the, the the stories of him you know sleeping in his office and missing out on his boys in their childhood are legendary he uh, he just thought you know, because he would say over and over again in a very you know self-deprecating way that he was a PE teacher. You know, I grew up yeah. as a PE teacher, and I'm not really that smart, so I had to work really hard. But you know, that's not true either. He was smart, but he did outwork everybody. Yes, he did. Um, but and congratulations, the, yeah, congratulations to, Joe to Gibbs. Coach Joe. Uh, two other things, real quickly: Jawan Howard got the Michigan job. Aaron. I'm glad that Ed Cooley didn't get that job because I think Ed Cooley's a phenomenal coach. Juwan Howard really is one of those wild-card hires, you know? Yeah. A Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing, Chris Mullen type of, you know, former player, you know, Penny Hardaway, yes. you know, uh, hire. So I have no idea how it will work out. Um, but uh, he's replacing one of the best coaches for for a long time in, in the country at a program that's really had some incredible success recently. And then lastly, unless you've got something else – I'm looking forward to Game 5 tonight. I would love to th- to think that Toronto could win a game in Milwaukee, um, and I hope they can. If you missed, by the way, the Ryan Rossillo interview yesterday, um, we talked a lot about the NBA and past NBA stuff. Um, listen to that uh, from yesterday's show. Uh, Ryan was really good. But uh, I'm the number is 7. If you forced me to play this game, I think I'd lay the 7 and take Milwaukee. I still think they're the better team. And Kawhi really did look like he was on fumes. And apparently yeah. Lowry's a little banged up too. Um, if they're going to win this series, it might be the 7th game in Milwaukee. But I don't think they're going to win this series. I want them to. But I'm looking forward to tonight. There, last night was, I think, the first night in a long time we didn't have any basketball. Yeah, I know. So do you have any feeling on it you don't care do you i I don't particularly care i'd like i like to see milwaukee win i like to see milwaukee golden state drake won't be able to get in the middle of the action tonight because the game's in milwaukee he'll have to wait until game (laughs) six before can't can't buy a courtside seat well i guess he could he could buy but it would be a little bit more dangerous on the road for him to do what he's been doing which is basically giving nick nurse back rubs during the game i want to see him get teed up at some point can It'd be awesome. Uh, fans can't. Can, sure. The, it would be a he's, bench technical he's, for the he's, team. If he's out on the court as a fan. Well, they can toss him. He, he, right. See, and th- they th- can issue a technical if they want. This is the thing. There, there's been a lot of uh, – uh, Giannis's agent said um, – let me just find that real quickly – said about Drake's, you know, behavior during these games. Here it is. Imagine a gig and an athlete on VIP seats right next to the band stands up on the stage just to show off during the entire game knowing cameras are on him occasionally even massaging the singer. security <laughs> and him both allow it never seen anything as disrespectful as this before closed quote it is it's over the top it's definitely it doesn't it's, bother me that much but it is it doesn't bother me but except when he's actually on the court you know you can't participate as a fan. I guess in the not. action, you can scream and yell and do whatever you, uh, ever you want. He is now essentially crossed the line of of being a participant. They can't allow that. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Uh, it's a it's a game five in the conference finals. Kawhi Leonard's so much fun to watch. Do you have anything else? Because you're searching through your phone there.
1: I just want to remind everybody that you can listen to me and Andy Poland this Saturday and Sunday morning, nine to one on 106.7 The Fan and actually we're on Monday, Memorial Day as well from oh, six, good. 6 to 10 in the I'm going
0: to listen because we will not have a show on Memorial Day here yeah, today. So, we're not going to have a show
1: so I'll be, we're on from 6 to 10 uh, Monday morning as well
0: sounds good, alright, good to see you Thanks. same here boss uh, back tomorrow, Van Pelt I think will be on with us tomorrow we missed him today um, that was my fault actually Uh, And we'll do uh, a lot more on skins, OTAs, and maybe even some Dan Snyder ownership stuff. All right. uh, Enjoy the day. Thanks.